Well, good morning. How's everyone doing? Welcome to church. Welcome across all campuses. We're glad you're here. Let me see a show of hands. How many of you would say, my spouse makes me laugh all the time? Raise your hand. How many of you think your home could use a little more laughter? Would you raise your hand? Wow, this is a struggling service. Nine o'clock was in much better emotional and spiritual shape than y'all. I got to be honest with you. That's good. Let's go to work then. I like it. I, I pastor in Branson, Missouri, so we're kind of an entertainment town. So we, we have a lot of fun as a church, and I think that's why I love this church so much. This church loves to have fun as we fellowship together. Uh, but there's two primary reasons I hear in our town for people leaving our church and people not wanting to come to our church. And it's they laugh too much, and there's too many people. They laugh too much, and there are too many people, to which we respond to that. If you don't like laughter and lots of people you're probably not going to like heaven. <laughs> heaven could be a rough place for you. And, and I, I tell him all the time, I love the Spurgeon quote. Uh, el, his elders came to him and said, hey, Charles, you need to tone down the humor in your preaching. To which Spurgeon replied, if you only knew how much I held back. And so today I want to talk about the importance of enjoying life together as a couple. Now, my wife and I, we enjoyed life together last night for two hours at the date night comedy tour in Branson, and that whole team's on its way over here now. And I sat on the front row with her and then surrounded by friends and family, and we laughed for two hours straight at the comedians. We've actually added a comedian to the show here tonight from Branson. We added him in like the last 10 hours, and we laughed, and we laughed, and we laughed. And my phone's been blowing up today with text messages and emails and Facebook messages and Twitter uh, it's not Twitter, it's tweets, right? I'm going to make sure I do it right. Saying, let me tell you, we haven't laughed that hard together in a long time. And it's usually followed up with a, why aren't we doing this more often? We need to be enjoying life together and making the decision. But here's the problem in the church. You're like, why would we give a whole morning to enjoying marriage, to enjoying life and marriage? Why would we be talking about laughter on a Sunday morning at church? Well, there's this debate that's out there, and it's a real simple debate. It's called happiness versus holiness, holiness versus happiness. And the idea comes for, from Gary Thomas. He's the author of the book, The Sacred Marriage. He's a friend of mine. We've had many conversations about this. But his, his premise in the book is at answering this question. Did God give you your spouse to make you holy more than happy? A lot of pastors, a lot of leaders, and a lot of couples have seen that book, have seen the question. They haven't read the book, but they've seen the question, and they say, and they've changed the question to, did God give you your spouse to make you wholly not happy? And that is not what Gary sets out to, to discuss at all in that book. So last year, I was called by a conference director, and he said, hey, we're doing a conference on marriage, and we would like you to come and debate Gary Thomas on happiness. We want you to argue for happiness. He's going to argue for holiness. And I had to say this on the phone. It was my very first comment. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just let's be real clear about something. I ain't against holiness. Okay. Holiness being set apart to Christ. I'm not against that. So please don't introduce me after Gary speaks for his 20 minutes says, and now to argue against holiness, we have Pastor Ted Cunningham. That'd be a real weird introduction, wouldn't it? So we did the debate. It was a friendly debate. And we're going to talk about it a little bit today because I do not believe you need to choose between the two. We got to stop asking people to choose. Like I heard another speaker say this years ago. If you want a great marriage, don't focus on skills. Don't worry about practices. Don't worry about communication techniques. You focus on loving Jesus. 
And when I heard that, I'm like, who's going to argue that? No, it's not about loving Jesus. Well, of course, Jesus is the true and unlimited source of life. But please don't ask people to choose between these two. Love Jesus and the overflow of your walk with Christ will be someone who desires to communicate and speak well to their spouse. So it's my favorite word in the Bible. It's my favorite word, therefore. If you've ever read therefore in the Bible, it usually follows good theology. It's either Paul in Romans or it's Peter. In 1 Peter we see therefore as well. And it's a pivot word. We talk about good theology and a desire to love the Lord. Therefore, this is how you live. This is how you carry it out. I have a parenting style called Therefore Parenting. And I love doing this with my kids. I say, hey, Carson, if a car is coming down the sidewalk and it's going to wipe us out, what's your dad going to do? I know what you're going to do, Dad. You're going to throw me out of the way. And I'm always, I'm one of these dads that I always want the vantage point. I always want to make sure I, I, I know the room and who's in it because I'm going to take you out if you try to do anything with our family. And guys don't tell you this a whole lot, ladies, but we're always thinking about something that could go down. Okay, we think about it so much. Sometimes we are hoping something goes down <laughs> so we can show you we got it covered. So I'm always thinking of scenarios when we're walking down the street and Carson says, you'll just stop in front of the car and you'll just, you know, I go, no, I'm going to take you and throw you out of the way and I'm going to take the hit. Why? You love me, Dad. I love you. I want to give my life for you. That's how much I love you. And I pound into him. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Therefore, go clean your room. Do you see how therefore works? It's not separate from a love for Your dad's love for you, therefore, it follows. So we don't have to set a love for Jesus against skills. That's why it's important to talk about bringing joy and laughter into your marriage. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to look at a couple of verses and discuss this principle as it's related to fun and joy and laughter in marriage. And we use this in counseling. It's called confirmation bias. Confirmation bias means you make a decision and then you look for the evidence to back it up. We talk about it in the context of honor often. Honor means to esteem as highly valuable. So the goal is that you would make the decision that your spouse is highly valuable and then spend your days looking for the evidence to back up that decision. That's confirmation bias. And in Philippians 4, we get a passage about confirmation bias. It says this in verse 4, and we're going to be real quick. We're going to do verse 4 and verse 8. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. He's emphatic about it. Rejoice. Rejoicing is a choice. Rejoicing is a decision that we make. How many of you grew up in a church that they would have praise time at church, like on Wednesday night? I grew up. We had praise time. Someone would give a good report, and you'd hear a few people say, Praise the Lord. It's rejoicing. We're grateful. We're thankful for the response and for the good test result that you just had or the breakthrough in this relationship or this marriage being healed. Praise the Lord. We would rejoice. But this says rejoice in the Lord always. Make the decision to rejoice even when the circumstances don't have you feeling. Praise the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. We rejoice. It's an expression of gratefulness in the Lord, look at what verses 4 and, and how it leads to verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Focus your thinking on such things. This is what we tell our kids, right? We, we only share what's kind, what's true, and what's necessary, 
We're going to focus on that because when you think about something for a long period of time, it finds its way into your heart. That's called meditation. This is why we teach don't just memorize the scripture, but memorize and meditate. Meditate on the word of God so his word is in you and you respond as life circumstances and as difficulties and trials and tribulations hit you. So let's look at this in the context of enjoying life together and laughter. Number one, here's what we're going to see. Laughter is a choice. Enjoying life together is a decision I'm encouraging you to make. I'm recommending laughter today. I'm recommending more of it in your marriage. Proverbs 5.18 says, May you rejoice, celebrate, be thankful for the wife of your youth. May you get excited about the one that you married. May that follow you through marriage. Ecclesiastes 9, 7 through 9. This has kind of become our life verse. This is Amy Cunningham and Ted Cunningham's marriage ministry verse. It's, it's, the, it's kind of the centerpiece of our marriage now. With hospitality, marriage, food, and drink. It says this, verse 7. Go, eat your food with gladness, and drink your sparkling cider with a joyful heart. I clean that up for the Baptist because I just want to make sure <laughs> that we're, we're not offending anyone. Drink your sparkling cider with a joyful heart, for now God favors what you do. So it's important to understand. It's okay to enjoy life. It's There's a Baptist right there. So you see, she said amen because I said sparkling cider. So she can amen verse 7. <laughs> verse 8 escalates it to joy and festivity, not just enjoying life. But now, joy and festivity comes with it. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. These are expressions of joy and festivity. Look at what verse 9 says. Endure life with your wife all the days of your miserable life that God has given you under the sun. For this is your lot in life and maybe if you're lucky one of you will die sooner than you should have. Right? Isn't this why people don't read Ecclesiastes, though? They think it's a dark book. It's pessimistic. But this is the only place in your Bible where it says this in verse 9. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome. Toilsome there, that word means grueling, difficult, painful. Making a living is hard work. And all God's people said... It is challenging. It is grueling. In the midst of that, in the midst of life being difficult, enjoy your marriage. But what some of us do is we have taken the grueling part of life, the difficulty of, of work and, and of just getting around and being in culture, we take that and we add our marriage to it. And here's the message I think people got from Gary Thomas's book, Sacred Sacred marriage. I think this is the message. This is the message. Is, it's just too much in our churches today. And it goes like this. God gave you your spouse to beat you down. And to suck the life out of you. So you can be more like Jesus. That's a bad message. Can I, can I submit to you from the scripture today, God did not give you your spouse to be the grind. God gave you your spouse to go through the grind of life with. 
Young person, you're hearing from people, don't get married. Because listen, I am married. (laughs) And she sucks the life out of me every day. She complains I work long hours, but I work long hours to get away from her. (laughs) I keep going. I'm just saying, I'm I'm feeling a little like Donald Trump saying what you're thinking. (laughs) I've yet to meet someone voting for the guy, but he's got, anyway, so... Anyway, let's not go there. Stay focused, okay? Where was I, Alex? You want to remind me of my point? No, but, but the young guys keep hearing. And this is the message you're hearing. Son, you got your whole life ahead of you. You need to make something in your life. You need to get a good education. You need to get a good job. You need to save some money. Don't burden yourself with marriage. Life's hard. Getting a job's tough. Securing a good paying job is difficult. Don't screw it up by getting married. Do you know what Ecclesiastes 9, 7 through 9 is teaching? You can enjoy life and marriage at the same time. You can pursue life and marriage at the same time. In the midst of the grueling labor of your life and of your day, God has given us marriage for you to enjoy. It's not a miserable weight to wear around your neck. And there's some of you right now that are looking for greener grass. Stop it. You've heard me say this before, but it's my favorite line. Where there's greener grass, there is a septic leak. (laughs) It is nasty. You stay home and water your own lawn. Why? Because we turn on eHarmonyMatch.com, FarmersOnly.com commercials... And we think, oh, I want a life like that, and the only way I'm going to get it is with somebody else. I submit to you today that you can enjoy life with the person you walked in here with. And some of you are going, no. You have no idea how this person sucks the life out of me. That's why we're starting with laughter is a choice. You have to start making new decisions. You've made bad decisions. We were just talking about it a little bit ago with some new friends back here as we were just talking about life. And you know what the Internet's become? I've made a decision in my life. Let's say I choose a sinful lifestyle or sinful practice in my life. I've made that decision that it's okay. Now I'm going to go online to find all the people who will support my decision. And as followers of Jesus, this isn't how we live. We go to the Word of God for what's right and what's wrong what's true and what's false. But confirmation bias rules our lives. And my challenge and encouragement to you is, what decision have you made? Some of you have made the choice that marriage is hard, it's difficult, it's painful, but that's okay because it makes you like Jesus. Some of you decided it's painful, it's hard, it's difficult, and I'll never enjoy life again with this person. And so if you keep thinking those thoughts, if you keep that in your brain and it seeps into your heart, eventually you will be divorced. Because you will say, I want to enjoy life again, but I can't do it with this person, so I need to go find someone else. And I tell you, you couldn't be, and this is Ozarkian language, more wronger. You're wrong. How about this? Pursuing holiness is not a guarantee of finding happiness. Pursuing a life in Jesus doesn't matter. Have you ever met a grumpy Christian? Have you ever met someone who's been through every Bible study known to man and when they want to discuss apologetics or something with you, it's like you are just a mean person. Man, you got to make the choice. Yesterday I went into a store and the cashier was having a bad day. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
cashier was having a bad day. And to me, this is opportunity for comedy. It's like, okay, I got, Lord, you've given me an opportunity to bless this person with a few jokes. How many of you look at it as your goal in life to make this person have a better day? I hope you go through. That's me. I'm like, you're having a bad day. And I'm like, I'm like it's only 830, but man, it's going to be a rough one for you. 830 in the morning, I start with my first joke. She ain't having it. How many of you stop at that point? Raise your hand. No, no, uh-uh. You press on. You give the second joke. You give the third joke. To the point your kids are going, Dad, stop it. No, she's going to crack. She's going to crack. Get some gum and some candy. Throw it on her. We got to keep this thing going. I believe if you're pursuing life in Christ, okay, you're making the decision every day to find joy and to rejoice. It's a decision that you have to make. Don't choose between holiness and happiness. Go for both. But prioritize holiness over happiness. There's the key. Don't pick one or the other. Prioritize them. And this is why when you read in Ecclesiastes 7, 1 through 2, it says, A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death is better than the day of birth. For it's better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of every man of the living should take this to heart. Scripture says, and I think they just had it on the screen, sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. It's not that laughter is bad, but sorrow is better. Why is going to a funeral better than going to date night comedy tour? We want you to be at date night comedy tour. We're going to have a fun time tonight. That laughter, we'll see in the second point why it's so important. But, but why do you get more out of a funeral? You know why you get more out of a funeral? Because funerals are recalibrating events. When you go to a funeral, you start asking all the right questions. That's why sorrow is better than laughter. You go to a funeral. I go to a funeral of a lady who lost the fight with breast cancer. It makes me rethink the conversation with my wife earlier that day. When I go to the funeral of a child who died with, with SIDS, SIDS was the cause. I'm sitting there the whole time asking the right questions. How am I living? How am I loving? Who do I need to call? Who do I need to catch up with? I mean, I'm going into all those questions. I remember doing the funeral of a small child and the whole time sitting there thinking, the whole time thinking about the day before getting on my kids for splashing and making too big of a mess while taking a bath. Has any parent ever gotten on their kids for that? Listen, don't judge me. Raise your hand this very second. Okay. (laughs) You get so judgmental when you're in a row back there. Like, oh, that's terrible. He, he, we play. We just play. No, you don't. When you're tired and they're making a mess unnecessarily. But I'm sitting through the funeral going, this is terrible. I'm a horrible parent. This family's dealing with such loss and grief. And the day before, I got all my kids for making a mess. And the, it changes me. It changes the way I think. And I go home the, that night. And I'm like, kids, come on, it's bath time. I'm going to teach you how to jump off the toilet like a diving board into the bathtub. That's why a funeral is a recalibrating event. That's why sorrow is better than laughter. But don't discredit laughter. Laughter has a place. Well, what's laughter's place? Number two this morning, laughter is a season. There is a time for everything. And a season, an appointed time for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. I shared this with the community group leaders last Sunday night uh, here at the church. And, and it's a season I'm kind of in right now, Romans 12, 15. 
and I'm, I'm learning that joy and grief are travel companions. And it says we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. This is what makes a family this size emotionally exhausting. Because I'm, I'm rejoicing and mourning all at the same time. In the first service, we rejoiced as we talked through this message and as, as marriage and family. And then we mourned with a couple going through loss. Going through a period and a time of loss. And, and at any given Sunday at Woodland Hills, I'll walk up and it just happened last week, two weeks ago. Lady shows me a picture of her new grandbaby. I'm rejoicing with her first time grandparent. Yay, congratulations. Ten seconds later, walking away from her, I meet someone who just lost a family member. And now I'm mourning. And it seems like that's all Sunday is. I'm rejoicing, I'm mourning, I'm rejoicing, I'm mourning. And, and emotionally healthy people can experience a wide range of emotions. Laughter is a season. Listen, you have to be able to admit today, listen, we've been in, in extreme climates. You have a dry season. A wet season. You only have two seasons. Some of you have been in a dry season for far too long. And for you to make the decision, you know, we need to enter into a season where we put some things behind us. We offer some forgiveness. We resolve some issues if necessary. And we come up with a bucket list of 10 things we're going to do to just have fun over the next month. Doesn't have to be a full-blown date night for 10 date nights in a month, but maybe, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And maybe for some of you, tonight's comedy show will be that first step. Make my spouse laugh. Check. But it's a season. I want to invite you into that season. The last point, third, laughter is a medicine. Oh, I love this. We get this from Scripture. A cheerful heart is good medicine. If you watch Patch Adams, you know. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. That's why I love the doctors that add humor into their practice. Pastor Chuck Swindoll, one of my mentors from afar, he says this, laugh out loud. It helps flush out the nervous system. Laughter is the most beautiful and beneficial therapy God ever granted humanity. Laughter helps us cope, it reduces stress, it improves health, it creates a bond with others. Dr. Frank Lippman, he believes that laughter helps us both emotionally and physically. He says, what's the one prescription I'm always happy to dispense? Take two belly laughs and call me in the morning. Safer than any big pharma pill of the moment and free of the harmful side effects, laughter is one of the easiest things you can do to promote healing and well-being. In fact, in my 20 years of medical experience, I've found that patients who have a sense of humor and laugh a lot tend to heal better and faster than those who don't. Therefore, I say, if health and wellness is your goal, skip irony, bypass sarcasm, make the conscious choice to add more joyous laughter into your day. Norman Cousin, in his, in his book in 1979 called The Anatomy of Illness, he talks about when he was struck with disease that he made it his goal to get at least 20 Minutes to an hour every day of deep belly laughs. Surrounded himself with candid camera videos and Marx Brothers films. He just wanted to laugh as part of his healing. God blessed us with laughter. So how do we use this in our marriage? Let's look at some of this. Number one, connect with laughter. Make it your goal every day to find a connection with laughter. And some of you are going, I'm not naturally funny. I, I can't do it. And oh, I, I can help you. I can help you. Can I help you? Oh, please let me help you. One of the fastest ways. There's three. You got singing, you got dancing, you got physical humor. And some of you are like, well, I can't sing. That makes it even funnier. (laughs) 
So just get a song. How many of you have a song? Like you got a couple's song. Okay, boy, 11 needs so much. We need a marriage seminar, Alex. And I know you're only doing this for four weeks, but this could be a four-month series right here. Just for 11. If you want other stuff, come to nine. But you need a song. We got a song. I can make my wife laugh at a moment's notice by singing this song. And if you know it, sing along with me. Now I had the time of my life. No, never felt. And then keep your mouth closed when you sing. It's all, it's even more sexier. <laughs> yes, I swear. And then you got to do this. Come on, baby. Come on. Jump to me. You can do that. You want, you want funny? That moves us into the physical. Jump into the arms of your husband tonight. <laughs> Some of you are going... We challenged our couples years ago. This was one of my favorites. And I didn't, it wasn't meant to be laughter. It was meant to really spark intimacy between a couple. I challenged the ladies, at least once this week, I want you to walk by your husband in the bedroom. And it just can be on the way to work, on the way you know, to dinner or whatever. But as you walk by and your husband's near the bed, just take him in as like a football player. Shove him on the bed. And, and it was funny, some of our senior adults immediately go, you know, we, we shouldn't do that, you know. <laughs> you better make sure he's talking to the younger ones that can, that have their original hips. We should not, we should not be doing that. And then the next week, couples came back to me and said, hey, Ted, could you kind of follow up with that teaching? I go, what teaching? Thinking it was going to be something deep from the scripture. Where you encourage the wives to just throw the husband down on the bed. At any moment's notice throughout the day, my wife did it five times this week. And each time she walked out the room. She go, he, I go, he goes, I don't think you really did this. We were flipping through the channels, which that's what pastors say when they want you to think they weren't actually intending to watch a movie. Uh, and there was a zombie movie on. We stopped on it for a little bit. And Amy's like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Get off this stupid movie. And so I told her, but in the movie, the zombies did this with their teeth. It was the goofiest. I, Brad Pitt, I think, was in the movie. And I get told all the time, hey, you look like Brad Pitt. Anyway, so I usually stop and ask that. But these zombies, listen, if I want to oh, have fun time, all I have to do is when we lay down in bed at night, is scooch over to my wife, lean over and go. That alone, it's so much fun. Try dancing. You got to try dancing sometimes. Just have fun. Turn on the music and go to it. Right? How about this? Physical humor. Physical humor is important. We have stories from our day, from work and all that all the time. You want to connect with laughter? One of the best ways you can do it, instead of just telling the story to your family, demonstrate it. I did it last week when I fell on the floor like a two-year-old. You laughed at that, but you can do that at home. If you have a bad board meeting, bring home with your facial expressions and with your tone and with your body. Demonstrate how your coworkers did it. If you had an unruly kid while you were teaching class, demonstrate the unruly kid. If you're an officer, ooh, that's even more fun. Demonstrate the arrest. Demonstrate the, the person. I mean, this is fun stuff. Connect, and I tell you, it will get the laughter going. My wife's not a naturally 
uh, funny person. She would tell you that. She, and that's why I tell her all my jokes before I ever deliver them. Because if I can't get her to laugh, I never, if I can get her to laugh, it's gold. That's what I know. And so I'll tell her a joke and she'll, she'll just sit across the table from me. Like, wow, she, she must not have really heard it. So let me do it one more time. So I send it back to her and she goes, yeah, it was worse the second time. Well, maybe it's timing, because in comedy, timing's everything. So I, I change my timing up, and she goes, you need to bury that joke. <laughs> it's not a good joke, but you know what we can have fun with? is her telling the joke. Because her dad gave her this gene where she, she introduces the joke with the punchline. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, my dad does it all the time. Hey, what, you remember that Cubs joke? Okay, Dad, the Cubs is actually the punchline of the joke. So now it won't be funny when you tell the joke. Oh, it'll still be funny. No, it won't. And that's my wife. But so when she tells it, we get a laugh as a family just out of that. How about this next one? This is a good way. We're, again, we're encouraging you to laugh. Discover your laugh style. You've learned your love language. There's five of them. There's dozens and dozens and dozens of laugh styles. My daughter, 12, my son, 10, and I, we have what you would call a machine gun laugh. They're all the Corinne would call hers a cute machine gun. It's uh, 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 uh. mine's more of a burly, gruff like <laughs> when I really get going. Carson has a machine gun, but we love Amy's laugh. Amy has we've coined this one that what we call the silent patriotic laugh. When something is funny to her, she puts her hand over her heart and she goes, nothing comes out. That's all she does. No sounds. No, nothing. And last night was a blast because I sat next to her. There was one point she didn't breathe for 15 minutes. She was doubled over like this the whole time laughing so hard at John Branion or Jason Earls. And, but we love that. Do you know what your laugh style is? Raise your hand if you think you know what your laugh style is. Oh, good. You're gonna, Eleven doesn't know a whole lot. That's what I'm learning. Okay? So we're here to help. That's why we're here. So check out this video and maybe you'll discover your laugh style. Hey, Tyler. What? What do you do when you see a spaceman? I don't know. You park your car in it, man. It's funny. Yeah, why aren't you laughing? I said that's funny. Yeah, but that's what you do when you can't even muster up a courtesy laugh. I don't know what you want from me right now. I don't know. Maybe just a... <laughs> that's not really my style. I'm more of a... <laughs> oh, I'm kind of a... <laughs> <laughs> he said you park your car in it. It's a spaceman. too good now you know your laugh style let's see your hands all right how many of you know the laugh style of your spouse you'll have so much fun teach that to your kids here's the last one use laughter to make difficult days tolerable 
Use laughter to make difficult days tolerable. Bob Newhart says, laughter gives us distance. It allows us to step back from an event, deal with it, and then move on. 19th century preacher Henry Ward Beecher, he said this, a person without a sense of humor is like a wagon without springs. It is jolted by every pebble in the road. Good humor makes all things tolerable. Bring laughter into your marriage so you can enjoy life with your spouse in the midst of the grind. The grind at times is intolerable, but laughter makes it tolerable. So here's how we do it. One more practical thing you can do, practical skill to bring into your marriage. It's one of our most fun activities uh, Amy and I have, and it's called the Fun Loving You List. And let me tell you where it came from. Years ago, Gary Smalley started a list for his wife. Gary's been my mentor for the last 15 years. And at the top of the list, it was called the honor list. Honor means to esteem is highly valuable. And, it's, and he listed all the decisions that he's made. Decisions have power. All the decisions he has made on Norma Smalley's value. All the reasons why she was valuable. And I saw it on his desk one day. He hadn't put it in a book. He hadn't been speaking on it. And I said, Gary, what is this? He goes, oh, I call it the honor list. I said, what is it? He goes, well, I've written down every reason why Norma's valuable. And it was four pages and he said, whenever we get into conflict or we have a rough day and we're just kind of at each other, he says, I come into the office, I grab the list to remind myself of her value. He said, and the goal with this, Ted, is not to pick up the list after a fight and be like, well, that's not true anymore. He goes, I don't start crossing them out. And this is what he said. I'll never forget it. He said, I usually don't have to get off the first page before the tears start. And he goes, this woman is incredibly valuable. She's valuable to me. I want to treasure her as she should be treasured. I want to cherish her as she should be cherished. So Amy and I took that. We started an honor list, and then we realized, yeah, you know, it's missing something. Because there's so much that's intolerable. And when you bring your family of origin, as we talked about last week, and my family of origin to the table, there's a lot of... A lot of difficulty. There's a lot of intolerable issues. There's unmet expectations and unresolved issues that we don't know what to do with. So we decided, decided we're going to have fun with those things that drive most couples crazy. We're going to find a way to enjoy it. And I want to share with you as we close just a few of the, the, the points that are, it's fun loving Amy. And we go back to this over and over again. These make great lists to share at birthdays and anniversaries after a conflict, or something new bugs you, add it to the list, make a decision to have fun with it. And I think you'll see where the intolerable turned into fun and laughter in our marriage as I read it. Number one, what I love about Amy. I love your all or nothing passion. You do nothing halfway. When you start a project, you finish it with gusto. You inspire me to work hard and get it done. She's way more driven than I am. We go on family walks and I'm thinking this is the nature walk. No, this is exercise. Can we stop and look at the turtle? Keep moving. All right, let's go. And I do, and the kids know I'm the, I'm the general after. She let's keep moving, and we know it. She loves that, though. The more we do that, she's like, yeah, keep moving. Keep the heart rate up. But every, she's got more passion in her little pinky than I got in my whole body. I'll come home from a bad day at church. I'll be like, man, it was a tough day. It was a bad last meeting. If I complain for that long about a bad last meeting, here's her response. Fine, let's quit. Move to Africa. Be missionaries full time. I'm like, can we back it down a notch? It was one bad meeting. I think we should sleep on it. 
before we submit to the call of missions. But that's her. Man, everything's gone. Number two, I love your disdain for directions. You love letting me lead. You couldn't care less how we were getting there. And I love this wife. She wants me to drive. She's, not, she's never been the type of person, right? Now, some of you don't understand this because your wife drove here today. And all you had to do was hold the wheel. Okay. That's a slow 11. Come on, 11. Come on. I don't have time to say the joke and explain it, okay? I need you to stick with it. Okay, so... But she, she's not one of these, like, if I get too close to somebody, she's not, ah! Ah! she doesn't respond like that ever. But when she drives, like, she doesn't drive. We left here after the community group leader last week and drove back to Branson, and so it was getting late. She goes, you want me to drive? <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and I love her, but the reason is she has night blindness, and she knows she has night blindness. If I got in the passenger seat, I'd be five minutes dozed off, and I'd wake up to this. Wow, wow, and I'd be like, hey, what was that? Woo! I swerved and I missed the cow that was in the middle of the road. <laughs> Baby, I don't see a cow. I could have sworn it was there. She had nightline, but she loves to just drive. You get us there. I love your attention to detail. You leave no stone unturned when it comes to doing things right, from planning our vacations to making dinner reservations. You know what time of day we will be hungry three months from now. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? She's got it planned out, and she's got everything planned out with little notes on her table, and I love it. I used to be bugged by her schedule and be like, oh, what do we got? Can't we just cut loose? No, it's on the schedule. Okay, what's the schedule say? Okay, and we're leaving the house, and she's getting everything ready and everybody prepared, and she's like, all right, we're going to be gone for a while. Teddy, do you need to go potty? <laughs> I'm Teddy, just in case some of you don't know who I am. And I have to remind her, listen, I'm 41 and a half. When I got to go to the bathroom, I'll go all by myself. I don't need any help. Number nine, I love the fact that you do not have a people-pleasing gene. You do not strive to meet the nonstop and at times excessive expectations that people place on you. I actually envy this about you. And I, she makes a perfect pastor's wife. She couldn't care less what people think about her. And every now and then I have to say, shouldn't we care just a little? Nope. That's who we are. That's how God made us. If they don't like it, they can go somewhere else. I mean, that's just, I'm like, I'm thinking we should care just a little bit. <laughs> I love your roll out the red carpet hospitality. No one throws a dinner party like Amy Cunningham. You spend weeks planning and executing the perfect party. And I love this. We'll have a party. I've learned not to ask this question too many times, but I'll go into her and I'll go, hey, I know we're having a party Thursday. Is there anything I can do to get ready for it? You know what her answer is? Yeah, can you put ceramic tile in the kitchen? <laughs> I'm... I was, I was meaning like stop and buy ice. But she's like, let's tear up the carpeting and put, that's, that's, I mean, she's big into this. I love that you have confidence in my expertise on everything. I mean, I can fix anything. I can. She, I mean, that's what she thinks. You ask me questions believing I know the answers to everything from astrophysics to nuclear proliferation. It is amazing to me how much you think I know. We'll watch stuff, the space shuttle stuff. She asked me these engineering questions like, well, how did they do that? I don't, I don't have a clue how they did that. I'm watching it in real time with you. But if we do less of this and more of this, I'll probably be able to keep up so when I need to actually fix a space shuttle, I'll be able to do that. 
This is one of my favorite. I love how you protect me from hot things. Anytime I get around something hot, her response is, hey, why does that? I come near the curling iron. Hey, what's this on? It's hot. I'm like, baby, again, I'm 41 and a half. When's the last time I walked up to your curling iron and went, ah! I don't do that. You got to give me some credit. Listen, if you want to bring some laughter and some fun into your marriage, you're deciding today to make it a choice to enjoy life together. Can I encourage you? Start your list. You're like, oh, you, how many you got? I got over 30 on this. I didn't even have time to read Amy's list of how awesome I am. <laughs> I helped her with most of it. <laughs> but let me tell you, this has been a blast. I love reading it to our kids. Our kids have written a list about our marriage, like all the reasons why they enjoy our marriage. And this is value. These are decisions that we've made, and we come back to it. I'm not going to let that destroy our marriage. I didn't get married so we can at each other. all. No, we're going to enjoy it. Let's have fun with it. And tonight, I hope you get plenty of those opportunities. If you weren't able to be a part of Date Night Comedy, I hope you catch it next time around. But go rent a funny comedian. Get, get funny friends. Some of you don't have any funny friends. You need to find some funny friends. <laughs> Hang around funny people. Make the decision to enjoy life together. And all God's people said, Amen. let's pray. Father, it is in the name of Jesus that we thank you for this wonderful gift, this medicine of laughter. Uh, I pray that couples who are stuck uh, in the rut, in the grind of life today will make the decision to enjoy life together. They'll make that choice today. The Holy Spirit will call them by name right now. They'll take that which is intolerable and use fun and joy and rejoicing to make it tolerable. I pray that many are being blessed today with a, a, the gift of a sense of humor. That they'll lighten up with themselves and in their marriage and in their homes. And they'll bring this gift into their homes to enjoy life together and with one another.